Uh, happy Friday, is it Friday? God, I'm so, when, when the holidays come around, I lose track of days. Happy Friday, I think, uh, Creighton fans, everybody listening in, out there. Um, this is Matt Marinas from White and Blue Review, joined, as always, by Johnny Atala from the Omaha World Herald, here to break down briefly um, Creighton's 87-36, probably as expected, victory over Maryland Eastern Shore. Um, the game after finals, the one that always has Mac on edge. Yep. Not much to worry about for him tonight. No. Not at all. I mean, Creighton was... You could tell right from the start, they just sort of had this mentality about them. They wanted um, to put that one away. Yeah. yeah. They, they knew they have a better team, and they didn't want to mess around with it. So, kudos to the guys for finding a way to do it. Mm. I mean, every team has a deal with sort of the... Distraction seems like the wrong word because they're in school for a reason. Yeah, it's here, part of their but life, it's, yeah. it's kind of just like a, another um, disruption of the routine. Mm-hmm. If you're just talking from a basketball standpoint, from a basketball standpoint, mm-hmm. so yeah, you can see why guys might lose their focus a little bit. Certainly, and uh, there's a good reason for it. I mean, I know when I was in school at the end of finals, I was like, "Let's." Felt like you were done with everything, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, shut off. Right, yeah. let's turn the the brain off mm-hmm. and uh, party with some friends and sleep in until one weird hours p.m. Yeah, right, like the next day. What day it is the right, day. Yeah. exactly. So, um, but these guys had, I mean, some guys had finals earlier in the day and then had to go to shoot around and, and play on Friday. So, um, to to perform in the way they did, I know uh, Maryland Eastern Shore is not a good team and certainly not uh, capable of providing Creighton with much resistance Mm -hmm. on the basketball court, but you could tell by the way Creighton carried itself, its demeanor, um, that it was ready to go. And they should, I mean, the numbers bear it out, you know, the, the, the way that, uh, the way that Creighton played is a good sign, I think for, for this team going forward, especially uh, at this point in the year. I think to your point on the, the guys that, being ready from the start, it was probably really important to just kind of get in, get into the flow of things, get some work in, maybe, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, and get out of there without having to worry about maybe coming in for something down the stretch. Like, we've seen them, I think last year against UMKC is an example where the starters kind of built a big lead and shut things off, thinking they wouldn't have to deal with it anymore, and then they had had to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. So... You know, it's one of those games where it, when you're expected to win, you know, it's important that you take care of business. And uh, that first unit, that second unit certainly did that. And then we got to see some extended playing time, which I think is the bigger takeaway out of this is getting guys like Caleb Joseph on the floor, getting guys like Manny Suarez on the floor. Um, you know, just to, because you feel like down the stretch in emergency situations, should something happen injury-wise, you'll need them to be able to step up and you don't want them to have nothing to, uh, you know, Depending go off of right. it from experience. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, they're probably an injury away. At this moment in time, they're an injury away from Caleb being needed. Right. But um, if he were to get himself healthy, he's not quite to that point yet. Greg mm-hmm. McDermott talked about how they're still trying to be cautious with him. I, I saw him in practice, and I thought he looked good. But he, the max point is, is that... Um, the way that Caleb's playing is not he, he's not full throttle yet mm-hmm. like you he'll show glimpses but he's not 
totally letting it loose because he's worried about that hamstring coming up and biting him again. So if they can get Caleb back to full strength, then perhaps he is able to contend with those guys for playing time at the point guard spot and nudge one of them uh, to another role. Mm -hmm. We'll see. But um, probably an injury away at this moment in time. And with Manny, it's really just foul trouble away. I mean, I know that he hasn't – he really hadn't – he didn't play – much at all against Gonzaga and didn't play against Nebraska, but had Martin or Toby or maybe the matchup, if the matchup had dictated, you know, say they play a team like Seton Hall, maybe that's a game where you want or need a guy like Manny Suarez with if Martin picks up a couple early fouls. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're both – they could play big roles, and so you got to keep them – uh, you gotta, yeah, you gotta keep them sort of motivated to keep uh, kind of grinding away at it and, and keeping themselves ready just in case they're needed. I mean, I just think for Caleb, I mean, he only played eight minutes tonight, but I mean, four points, two assists, two rebounds, no turnovers. So, but it, you know, it looked like because you can't really just take stats from Maryland Shore and say you know those aren't gonna play, but. He lo- it looks like he's really just itching to just let it go. Yeah. And he Didn't you say he slapped the floor at one point? He, his first possession, he it was a 50-point game, okay? And he slapped the floor on the defensive end, yeah. like, in a 50-point game. Okay. I mean, that could have gotten a technical foul if the ref was, like, feeling <laughs> froggy. Like, you know, I mean, he you can see that, he, like, the trigger figure is itchy right now. Yeah, like, he wants to play. He wants to let it go, right. but he knows, like, in the back of his mind, you know, he's one pull like one you know start and stop away from being back on rehab mode for you know weeks on end so with the hamstring it's just that very delicate injury where you feel good you feel good you feel good and then all of a sudden you don't and you're back to square one um so for him it's it's important but I think it's important for him to get on the court you know and get it wherever the coaching staff can find a time to get him into a game get him into a rotation whether it's three minutes or less like just to get him get the you know get the mechanics working to where right. he's comfortable should he have to play an extended role like that if someone goes down or gets into foul trouble. Yeah, I mean, just I agree with you. I think that that's I guess that's why you schedule these games. Sure. As as um, you know, maybe maddening it is for the fans at times to see a team like Maryland Eastern Shore on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Who are these guys? Like you look at the uh, the analytics, the the rankings. Kim Palm or wherever you go for your uh, for your analytic analytical rankings, and these guys are at the bottom of the list in tons of categories. And you're disappointed that they're on the schedule, but it's, it's an opportunity uh, for Creighton to sort of experiment a little bit and just to get guys in the lineup that they went in when they when they otherwise wouldn't. How did, and, how, and did, how did Coach McAllister put it the other day? Was uh, Video coordinator Tim McAllister put it where he's looking at the kids. He's a big Kempom guy, so he was going off of how Kempom has the, a lot of red, the color think, zones yeah, or whatever. Right. Yeah, like, like he's never, he said he'd never seen so much red, which yeah. is what Maryland Eastern Shore provided. They, they the statistical standpoint. It, they're, not, yeah, they're not a good team. It's, it's just kind of like the, the unfortunate part of scheduling in college basketball these days. Because there's going to be those teams on the schedule. It's just all, every, every team has them. I mean, just, just look at these schedules of the SWAC and MEAC teams. Mm-hmm. Look at who all they're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone brings these guys in. Uh, I, I think I referred to them in my story today as like the, a pinata. 
college college basketball that pinata. Great. That's really good. That's that's what they are. But they get they get their paycheck and they get then they go. Mm-hmm. Um, and Creighton, you hope uses the opportunity to benefit itself and not develop any bad habits. Um, and I think that they did that tonight. So I think defensively is something that we seem to both key on as far as we thought Creighton seemed pretty locked in. The communication was much better than it was against North Dakota, which is the other example we had of like a, a you know a, a game that they should win against a, with a crowd that wasn't necessarily engaged. So you could hear more of the dynamic going around the floor, and the communication was lacking against North Dakota, and it led to some spurts of where North Dakota was able to get some things going offensively. Tonight it seemed like defensively. They were where they needed to be, yeah. Um, regardless of their opponent, where they, it was where they needed to be to get um, effective possessions one after the other and string them together, and you know, twenty-eight to nothing off points off turnovers. They created fourteen, um, uh, you know, thirteen to fifty-five shooting. Like a lot of you know, part of that is Mason Shore not being great uh, offensively, but the other part of it is Creighton was as locked in as they probably hope to be coming off a of finals week and I think that's a positive takeaway regardless of the opponent um, defensively it was a step forward from the North Dakota game where yep. they saw some deficiencies in that area yeah I liked I just liked the energy that they brought and uh, I think the first five minutes of the game Maryland Eastern Shore didn't even get the, I don't even know if they entered the ball in the paint they certainly yeah, didn't yeah. take a shot in the paint but they couldn't get the ball into the lane mm-hmm. um, against Creighton and that, to me, was just a sign that, you know, these guys were locked in, the way they were talking and uh, making their switches and just kind of being there and being active. And they continued to sustain it, too. That's that's what was right. impressive. Right. I mean, uh, Toby Hegner's block, Mitch Ballard diving on the floor, some loose ball steals and pokeaways, deflections that Creighton had. I mean, that they maintained that all the way into the second half. So that was – I mean – it, that's the thing is like it, when you're trying to evaluate a game like this, at least from our perspective, a lot mm-hmm. of times like kind of just looking for little things that you can kind of carry over or what, or what what is sustainable out of this game. I mean, it's hard to judge. Um, you know, will that move work against so and so? I don't know right. that, but yeah. you can say if Creighton were to take this same mentality and attitude that it uh, that it played with defensively in this game to Monday when it plays a better team in UT Arlington, mm-hmm. I think that that will give them a good shot to win. And mm-hmm. so it's it's a good template, I think, for Creighton going forward and a good sign for a team that, you know, had every reason to come in um, with a little bit of uh, a lack of focus or, or um, just maybe disjointed mentality. And uh, it didn't. So maybe that, that bodes well for further tests down the road or, or – Further, other games in, in on the schedule when you're thinking, okay, Creighton, should, maybe maybe you got to worry about the mentality of this team tonight. Right. Um, you know, perhaps they can look back on this game and 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 draw from it and re- replicate it in the future. I think uh, we'll wrap up with the Maryland Eastern Shore uh, analysis. With uh, I'd like to choose just like one unsung individual performance. I guess um, maybe that's something that I think that happened in the night that hasn't happened lately that can carry going forward. I'll lead off since I'm kind of just jumping into this topic in case you're not prepared, but uh, um, Tyshawn Alexander for me, I think might be, what he did tonight might be a little underrated just because he hasn't been shooting the ball that well. Yeah. So for him to go four for six from three, um, just to see and, and it, the shots he was taking, they weren't necessarily 
I don't think he's had any confidence issues, but I mean, when you see your numbers, you're probably it's probably in your head at some point, especially for a true freshman. But he looked like he was shot ready from the get-go. Every time he caught and fired up one, it was quick. It wasn't like he was thinking out there. So I think for him to go four for six, um, and then to have a four-to-one assisted turnover ratio in 19 minutes, considering the game he had against Nebraska, where he was a bit sped up, a bit out of control, um, you know, opponent notwithstanding, I think he had a really step forward tonight. Um, compared to some to some some stretches of play where he struggled a bit recently. So I think that's one performance where I'll single somebody out as someone who might have uh, had a game that they needed to have uh, a total performance from Tyshawn shooting the ball and taking care of the ball. Unsung hero. I mean, I feel like Ronnie Harrell, again, just continues to find ways to the make The X factor of the basketball team, yeah. Just seems to be, I mean... No one has his, his very unique skill sometimes set. Sometimes he and, and Martin sort of switch those roles, like trade okay. off those roles. But, I mean, a lot, I mean, a lot of it was because in the second half, um, or, or even when he was on the floor, you know, he's grabbing, he grabbed 10 boards. So that's mm-hmm. 10 opportunities for him to bring the ball up and you just see sort of him... Eight uh, defensive rebounds. That's eight. Yeah, eight. Essentially, Sorry. essentially eight, eight fast breaks. Eight fast there. breaks for him where he's leading the offense. Um, they're just making good decisions, I thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you have? Four assists? Probably yeah, could have had four assists, zero turnovers, 22 minutes. Yeah, probably yeah. could have had a couple more maybe if, if uh, some shots go down. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I just think he's worked a lot on his game, and uh, and he just seems more comfortable out there. So he's affecting the game in a positive way. It seems like every time he's out there on both ends of the court. And, um, yeah, Creighton really needs that to continue. I mean, because – he, Martin, um, the freshman, like these, those are the guys that other teams are going to really circle on their scouting reports exactly. and try their best to go after them, mm-hmm. to get them, to knock them off kilter, uh, to see if they can um, poke some holes in their confidence. Those, and, and they're the guys, too, who will have to contribute um, or, or make game-changing plays for Creighton to, to – defeat some of the best teams in the Big East. So mm-hmm. they'll put them over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think we know what you're gonna you know what you're gonna get from yeah. Marcus Foster and Kyrie. It Thomas almost sounds like you're it almost sounds like we're like, you know, not giving Marcus and Kyrie the respect <laughs> they deserve by yeah. saying that. But it's like because you have two guys at that level, you that's the that's the standard they've set. You yeah. expect that every night, you know what I mean? Even on their averages, average nights they're really good. So what do you get out of the rest? That's, that was the question we had before the season even right. started. Like, what do you get out of the rest of those guys? And, the, and they've, on they've honestly they've exceeded my expectations right. so far. I the think so expectations too. I had going into the year, but now it's like, can you keep it up? Because mm-hmm. you got Because it's going to be it. like the rubber beats the road. The wall comes. Like it came to for Justin Patton last year. Right. Um, it came for Kyrie Thomas when he was a freshman. It's a real thing. Yeah. And the Big East is a grind. You know. Uh, Georgetown, while they're not very good, they're eight and zero, so they have confidence because they've seen they can they've seen their results trans, translate. DePaul looks a lot better. Uh, Providence looks worse than I thought they would be, but they still are a formidable matchup because of just how they match up physically with Creighton. That's always one you kind of wonder about. So it's, there's not going to be any like roll the ball out and win by twenty type of games no. in the league. So um, yeah, that supporting cast is uh, has a has a big test in front of them and. I think we can even start with Monday's game against UC Arlington because that seems like it seems like a game that you know it's a Monday night. I, you don't know what kind of crowd's going to show up for that, but 
I, I, I almost feel like they need a good one because yeah, no, I, I can't tell you how many times that I've had the conversation with uh, a fan of Creighton or maybe like another media member and I have to try to convince them that UT Arlington's a good team yeah. and a good program. I, like, I'm like, I, I'm, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's very possible that Creighton will handle its business and, and play really well and mm-hmm. win this game by 10 points or something, but I can also see it going down to the wire because I think UT Arlington has ex- they have experience and they have talent. Like, According to Kempom, they're the most experienced team in the country. That has to count go. for something. Yeah. They're averaging nearly 80 points a game. They've got... They were like one of the mid-major darlings last year. They're one of the teams that mm-hmm. you know, if you if they got into the NCAA tournament, they didn't because they got upset in their conference tournament. But there, it was like if they got in, that was one of those teams that you were picking as a potential Sweet Sixteen team. And they were, you know, they were, um, they had that ability to go on a run like that. They beat St. Mary's last year, um, who spent most of the season in the top twenty-five, and uh, you know they've played good teams well. I mean, they've sure. been competitive yeah. with good teams this season. I mean, one, one at BYU by double just lost uh, last second shot uh, by one point at Alabama, who yeah. we know is a pretty good team. Um, Northern Iowa, they took, I think Northern they took I- to the wire. I think Northern Iowa is actually pretty good. Because, yeah. um, I mean, it's hard. To, I guess it's hard to judge. Their two losses are Nova, North Carolina, but they, uh, that, that's pretty good. How much is this clock off by? Uh, it's it's eleven eighteen. Eleven eighteen. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't actually move, so it's always. Oh. It's uh, a. Yeah. It's right twice a day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Phenomenal yeah. interruption. It's great. <clears throat> the bowels of the Central Link Center. It's that's actually you know what. That's our first interruption. Yeah. Uh, in our post game podcast, it's probably a good thing that Just, we don't have as many like haters or psychotic fans. Like either, the, the, we're right where we need to be. Type of deal, like where we can just get this done and not have to worry about. <laughs> right, it's yeah, but um, but anyway, yeah. So I, I think the UT Arlington game is going to be a good game. Yeah, and uh, and Creighton better be ready to go, and it it would be helpful, obviously, if the fans were engaged and and made the place um, electric. I mean, from the start, just from the matchup standpoint, when you look at. Kevin Hervey, six seven two ten, like that's that's and you know he's getting a lot of NBA draft. And isn't that the type of player like, that Creighton has kind of struggled to defend right. over? Not just like this season, a Rodney Bullock type body. Yeah, the last like, couple of years, maybe a little bit too long and too tall for mm-hmm. Kyrie Thomas to match up with. So then you're talking about well, is this the four guy? Is he is he got too much quickness right. for Toby or Martin, or is he too big for um, Ronnie Harrell to defend? I mean that's. That type of guy, I think, is I think of uh, um, those fo- those those kind of tweener four, stretch right. four type guys, the three four have, guys, yeah, yeah, that have that have caused some problems for Creighton over the, the last couple of seasons. So, so this kid's averaging twenty three points, eight rebounds, uh, two steals a game, shooting forty eight percent from the field, forty forty percent from three, yeah, eighty percent from the line. Like so, there's really there's really nothing to his game <coughs> where you think. Like he's gonna be the matchup number one. Like that's Kyrie Thomas's assignment, and I think what Creighton might try to do as far as to throw him off is if UT Arlington likes to put him in a lot of ball screens and things like that. Obviously, the switches with Kyrie and Martin have been effective so far throughout the season. Same with Ronnie. Um, so I think that's the the big little matchup you might see right there is you know Ronnie and Martin as you mentioned might be again tested to stop one of those perimeter 
top perimeter wings that Creighton has played so far this season, they're going to be have to mind their P's and Q's against that guy because he seems like a really efficient scorer. Um, and then the other problem is when UT Arlington goes like a one-five ball screen with Eric Neal, who's leading the league or leading the nation in assists, as right. you mentioned. But he sounds like uh, a very small, shifty, speedy, like a guy that's a real problem against no matter who you match him up against. Yeah. Like he's gonna have to. He's hard to keep in front of you. I, I'm very curious to see because uh, I haven't watched UT Arlington yet. Yeah, I've got a couple right. games on DVR that I'm gonna dial up and. and tune in for on Saturday and Sunday like is it going to be a scenario when I you know I kind of built up Yale in my head I thought Yale was going to be a bigger stiffer test and yeah Makai Mason didn't play so that had he been on the court it may have been a different story but then again when I did watch Yale play I was like "Eh, probably not as good as I thought going into the year Um, so I am kind of curious to see if UT Arlington fits that bill if I'm kind of uh you know, building this team up to be a little bit more than it is, but well, the difference is UT Arlington's had some had to prove it. They've proven it. Like they've proven it. You know, their their RPI is sixty six right now, and officially Creighton's forty four. So, yeah. like, I think they're like they're, top they're top one hundred in Ken Palm. Yeah, maybe top eighty. It's gonna be a. I mean, it's gonna be. I don't know if it's Big East quality physicality because I don't know what they have. I know they've got Mac mentioned a couple seven footers. They've got a guy averaging thirteen and nine with, you know. 2.3 blocks per game, so I mean he's obviously going to be an issue. Yeah, uh, and you know when they he said they rotate the seven footers in, like okay, that's something Creighton hasn't seen yet this year. Right. So how are they have against Baylor and it was a problem. <laughs> so uh, yeah. you know I think from a matchup standpoint, UT Arlington is going to be the real deal uh, as opposed to Yale, um, and you know might even be an interesting precursor to what Creighton might face in the Big East because I think. You know, one of the questions we've had coming uh, throughout the season is, like, how does Creighton handle themselves on the backboards? And, you know, right now they're number one in the Big East in defense rebounding percentage, so that's a good sign that they've been able to sustain that. It's still a small sample size with only 10 games, but, you know, when you segment that off into 10-game stretches, there's only three of those or four of those a season, depending on how long you play. So, you know, right now they've proven themselves to be a pretty, a much better defense rebounding team than they were last year when they were last in the Big East in that category. So... Um, you know, that's just that whole part of the game is going to be a question that UT Arlington might help answer with the challenges they present with their size and their athleticism. Right. Yeah. It'll be a good game. It'll be a good game. Yeah. But so I think uh, I got to I got to bounce now. You got to bounce. Yeah. This is a this. I mean, abbreviated. It was abbreviated Maryland Eastern Shore. God bless you. Hope you get a safe ride home with the how much whatever money they got paid to come out here. You right. Know, the business and- of college basketball. Um, maybe rest up, and they got to play Iowa State on Wednesday, and then Drake on Friday. Wow! So, so they, they'll be around then. They'll they'll be around the area. Yeah, I'd imagine. They're probably sleeping in the hotel across the street. Hopefully, they can now. rest up and get better prepared for their conference. But, yeah. <laughs> that's where that's where it all is for those teams. Uh, thanks for tuning in tonight, um, or whenever you listen to this. Uh, we'll obviously be back with you Monday for UT Arlington. Um, until then, check out John's work at Omaha.com and. And then after that, mine at whiteandbluereview.com. And um, have a good weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday night.